This week in Middle-Earth, Feanor and Melkor play a game of Who's the Bigger Dickhead? Hey everybody, welcome to Dead Bro at Society. I'm Andrew. And I'm Andre. Oh, you're Drew. Drew, it's as, so good. Two weeks in a row. foretold in prophecy. Uh, I'm just goofing. How are you, my guy? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm back at it for more Silmil stuff. Yeah. You know yeah. what's crazy? We actually find out what a Silmaril is this week. Yeah, in... Uh, chapter seven of the Silmarils. Hey. You'd think it would have come come a little sooner than chapter seven, but such is the way. I mean, here we are. Uh, anything good happened this week? Um, I found out that the stuff that kills gnats in your plants smells like cat piss. So mm. I got that going for me. That's neem oil for all you horticulturalists out there. For the uninitiated, which yeah, I was uh, until I bought it. Um, how about you? What's going on? I got glasses. On? That was weird. My first pair, bifocals. Oh, that's your first pair ever. That's my first, I've, I've never had glasses before. It's my first pair. Well, welcome to the best accessory for a face. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, uh, I was just looking at myself. I, I keep taking, putting them on and taking them off and now I'm starting to feel a little naked without them, which is crazy. And they gave me a headache <laughs> almost all day. So You'll, I guess I should have to get rid of that. Um, yeah, you just keep wearing them and then that'll pass well having having something correct your vision for you is really going to screw with your brain yeah it's so funny too because i'm still like blind in my right eye so it's really just glasses for one eye oh how fun. so it's just glass <laughs> <laughs> did you get kicked in the head by a horse uh no but that would have been a much better story i don't actually know uh actually if 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 you may indulge me i think i do know actually what the issue was I'm ready. so i have i have retinal cysts this is not interesting literally for anybody but i'm interested i have retinal cysts and mm. uh i first started going to the doctor about it and they're like you know if you were an 80 year old we'd know what to tell you but like i don't understand why a 25 year old has this big a problem it turns out drinking like upwards of eight Red Bulls a day while on tour, all that vitamin B12 and niacin has an effect. And it turns out that effect is putting cysts on your retinas. Huh. So Who Red Bull thought? didn't give me wings, but Red Bull gave me cysts. <laughs> wings is, it's almost the same as cysts. It's basically I, the same. We're going to make a good... Um, a good catchphrase out of that. Red Bull gives you cysts. Gross. Yeah, that's gross. So you want to get into it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, here we are. Chapter 7 of the Silmarillion. Oh, I could have just said of the Silmarils. Of the Silmarils and the unrest of the Noldor. So first thing that happens here, Feanor is at the top of his game. Feanor is killing it. He has all that knowledge, took all that knowledge and creates the most renowned work of elves. He made the best gems, the best mm -hmm. ones. He made the best ones. Um, and before we tell everybody what they are, even though you know what they are, um, something that has stuck out to me within the first few sentences of this chapter, 
um, was the sentence possibly the premonition of doom that led him to create them like out of fear of losing the light of the trees, which, which I was like foreshadowing, but also was like a crazy, like Um, a crazy thing to throw in there. Like, like is Fenway, I mean, is, uh, is Feanor having predictions now? Is he seeing visions? I like that. It's sort of a choose your own adventure with that. Cause they say that either he foresaw the light of the trees going away and he wanted to preserve them. Oh man, that sentence is actually super dope. What was it? It's, um, he pondered how the light of the trees, the glory of the blessed realm might be preserved imperishable. Or he's just like reached the top of his skill game and he was like, I got to make something. So it's really whatever you want. I thought it was so wild for Tolkien to, to not once, but multiple times during these chapters put like, I don't know, man, you figure it out. Like he does that. And he also kind of like sums up some of these chapters in a sentence, like right at the beginning, like this is what you're about to get into. You could skip it now. <laughs> <laughs> or in the case of uh, in the case of the second chapter we have tonight, it ends with the best sentence. We'll get there so far. Uh, uh, but here we chapter, are. So- chapter eight is the f- the first part of my favorite part of the whole book. I'm in. I'm here. I'm here for it. Um, so Feanor creates the Silmarils. They are the gems to preserve, to preserve the light of the trees, but he does it in secret. He won't tell anyone what they're made of until the end of time. Uh, it says that, you know, from the halls of Mandos, which I thought was a weird, like, like nudge from, from, uh, from J.R.R. being like, yeah, this isn't over yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, there's a reference to the light imperishable in the children of Iluvatar, um, saying that that is what was in, or like something similar was in the Silmarils. Um, and so the Silmarils had blended the tree, the light of the trees shone like the stars of Varda and were brighter in the daylight, which is nice. I like when my sparkly gems are brighter in the daylight. Yeah. Um, he says that, um, like the crystal of diamonds, it appears, it says that they're made of something that can't be harmed Mm -hmm. because I guess Feanor suspected that evil would try and harm the Silmaril. So he was like, no, I'm not making it. So you can't do that. He's playing by, um, he's playing by like little kid rules where like you're playing guns with your friends and you just have your fingers up and you go bam bam and I got you and they go no no I had a shield <laughs> but Feanor's just doing that with his gems no I was he, invisible I'm going to break those gems no you can't they're nope. unbreakable so predictably everyone loved <laughs> them everyone loved this mm. um Varda hallowed them so they couldn't be touched by more mortal or unclean evil hands um, another that's another like playing by kids rules. <laughs> it's just like, oh yeah, you're on the red team, so you can't touch that. Right. It'll burn you. It'll burn you. Um, and even Mandos opens his mouth for once and says uh, that the fates of Arda, Earth, Sea, and Air lay inside them. So these are like, this is my first question of the night, of which I have many, I think. But 
Um, and I'm sure uh, Tolkien scholars or, or uh, fans of the Legendarium are already uh, getting mad at me. But so my first of many questions. So did Feanor know like the scope of what he was creating? Like, you know, he's definitely the most skilled. I guess I guess maybe he's like third in line of skills. He's um, he's got them. He's got the skills and he learned from the best. And um, I think he surpassed them because he learned from all all of the best. Right. He learned from his wife's dad, who learned Matan from Owle. Right. He learned from Melkor, who's really good at doing basically everything, but he's also a prick. So he took those combined skills plus, like I guess, the fire within him, and he was like, "I can make literally anything." Right, because he has the spirit of fire, which I took originally to be he was like super driven and really passionate. But it turns out he's just like a combination of all of the above. He may be Disney's Hercules Hades, like just on fire. I don't think he's really like that, but he might just he's just mad pretty frequently. Believe it or not, I've never seen that. I believe it. Don't seem like a Disney guy. You know, I do have uh, Disney Plus now that now that we're expecting expecting hey, a child. Good for you. You Thanks. are prepared. Uh, yeah, I have Disney Frozen Plus now. All so, the time. Yeah, I have my I have my built in Disney Plus babysitter. I'm pretty excited, and not because I want to watch the Marvel movies over and over again. That's definitely not. Um, it's strange that I will read this book over and over again, but I got tired of Marvel movies after I think the second Thor. I was like, this is a lot. It's also crazy. I, when Josh and I started this, he had mentioned like Ragnarok was, uh, relevant to something we were talking about. And it's, uh, Viking apocalypse. uh, Predictably Melkor lusted after them. Uh, their radiance was a gnawing fire in his heart. He Uh, sees those shiny rocks. And he's never wanted anything more in his whole life, which is, I guess, a pretty long time at this point. And he just he just continues trying to destroy Feanor um, and make the Valar and elves hate each other. So and I keep forgetting as I was reading this, I kept forgetting that, like, he's just walking around. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's he's, um, he's just he's on parole more or less. So he can he can, like, hang out in Valinor, but like, he's got to be in, he's, he's basically in like recess timeout. Like got to stay in earshot. Don't go too far. You're not allowed to go into the soccer field. You can stay, you can stay on the wood chips, but that's it. (laughs) Yeah. So he's hanging out in Valinor talking to anybody who will listen, which is mostly the Noldor. Um, cause they and love he, him. he starts like conjuring <clears throat> visions to the, to the Noldor and like inceptioning them, uh, making them think that the Valar called them to Amon only because they could have ruled middle earth and the Valar didn't want them to rule middle earth. Yeah. They don't, the, um, the Noldor don't know, or I guess all the elves, they don't know that, um, the second, children of Iluvatar are coming, the men. Right. So Melkor says in 
visions and whispers and he like it says that he's so subtle that he's like will say something and then an elf will think about it and they'll think that they crafted it in their own mind because he's super good at lying and he's really he's really manipulative so he starts he starts to tell them about men or he like inceptions men And tells them that the Valar intentionally uh, kept this from him, which is crazy. But also, I don't know, maybe kind of true. I I thought the same thing, honestly. I didn't. I hadn't thought about the fact that um, the Valar hadn't said anything about men yet. But as soon as I did, I was like, oh yeah, like why wouldn't you say like, oh by the way, in addition to all of you, there's a whole other race of. Uh, of beings. Maybe they thought it was going to be a nice surprise or, or more likely they were like, it's on a need to know basis and you right. don't need to know. And you'll literally never meet them because you're in the undying lands and they are in the dying lands. They can't come to the undying lands. They right. die. <laughs> so, so he, he kind of convinces them that the, the Valar intentionally wanted to leave middle earth to be ruled by, uh, by men because they could have more sway over what goes on in middle earth this whole time. Um, and said that they were trying to rob them of the inheritance of Iluvatar. And like, they like half believed him. They, um, <clears throat> in the beginning, they, didn't, they don't believe like that seems kind of crazy and then somebody else will come up and say you know did you hear that thing that like maybe the valar are just keeping us here and they're like you know i did hear that don't remember where from though and then as more and more elves hear about it more and more believe it and then like you just see well i guess melkor saw like the the lies that he's so just like grow and do their own thing. And he's like, I'm the greatest liar of all time of all time, mostly because there's not another liar, right? Yeah. There's no liar. Nobody has any sort of sense of vengeance or anything yet, except for Tolkis. Um, but like nobody knows to be mean, right? Which is the whole reason Melkor's out anyway. Um, so the Valar can tell something's up this whole time. Yeah, because the piece of Valinor was poisoned, um, and 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 the that makes Feanor the most angry. He's got a spirit of fire. Um, yeah, Melkor's just Melkor's just stoked that he's sowing dissent everywhere, but he's also mad because he can't get the Silmarils because Feanor keeps him locked up. Yeah, he works real slow, but he is never not working on spreading lies and he's like plans within plans, but it's really just spreading lies and lies and lies. Right. Um, so at the, around this time, Feanor shows, and I, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but this is like the first time that the children of Iluvatar have shown greed or like anything other than kind of, yeah, they just, they like were, it sounds really boring, the uh, the good times, because mm-hmm. everybody's just really nice, and they make gems, and they give them away, and they just look at trees and stars and stuff, and I guess they build buildings, but like 
nobody's yelling or there's no excitement of any kind at all. And then Feanor mm-hmm. hears about these stories from other people who have been told lies. And he goes, actually, I fucking hate it here. And if you guys follow me, I'll get you out of here. I mean, I, I kind of jumped ahead, but uh, you were you were saying about how Feanor, um, he shows greed because he like sees the Silmarils and more and more he doesn't want anybody else to see them, right? Except for his dad and his seven sons. It's but before that, he's very he's my like, precious about it, right? But before, oh, I didn't, I didn't even draw that conclusion. But previous to that, he's like wearing them and like a t i'm picturing in a tiara whenever he goes to the ball finway shows up with his like silmaril crown yeah and melkor is just looking at him like judas in uh uh the last supper just like fuck you peering over his shoulder like mother fuck (laughs) um so melkor starts a rumor that fingolfin trying to get rid of Finway and Feanor so he can rule Tyrion because the Valar don't trust him because now he won't show them the Silmarils. It's a really good lie. It's a good lie because it plays on so many things. It plays on like fear of abandonment. It plays on like fear of being like surpassed. It's like such a deep, simple thing he he really is very good at um, cutting into every one of Feanor's insecurities. I guess you could say insecurities. Right. He seems like a pretty cocky guy. Maybe not insecurities. Right. No, it's but it's got to be. I, I mean, maybe insecurities isn't it? But like, he loves like because Feanor is the only one that really shows any like hint of like vanity or anything. I don't even know that's how to word it, but. But it makes sense that Feanor would have been the closest to Melkor because he's starting to show Melkor tendencies. Maybe not like as evil, but like as selfish, I think. I I think he's definitely the first one to just be like a cocky son of a bitch. Right. Like he he knows he's really good at basically everything um, and he flexes on it. He flexes real hard. And I guess Real if hard. you were the first person to flex ever, and then somebody else was like, it's not that good, you'd probably be pretty salty. <laughs> yeah, I'm salty right now. Um, so around this time, Melkor looks around and sees that his lies are, and I quote, smoldering. And so he thinks the next best thing he tells the Noldor uh, about weapons, which is crazy because I didn't even think before about, like, I'm sure they hunted somehow, right? Because right? they had to eat. Right. I'm they sure. talk about Orome hunting Melkor's monsters or whatever. Mm-hmm. So there are. Like, weapons exist, but, like, because they had to have. I mean, I don't know. They're... They mentioned specifically swords and axes and spears and shields. Mm-hmm. Which I I suppose didn't exist until now, not for not for elves anyway. Right. Um, so Finway makes a secret forge and he forges weapons for himself and for his sons. Um. Wait. 
Feanor. Not Fenway. Feanor. Feanor right. does that. Right. So Feanor, Feanor uh, makes the uh, <clears throat> makes the forge. Yeah. It seems it seems kind of like Melkor spread this. I guess through a, uh, maybe there's like families or whatever, mm-hmm. like um, different houses, and it it says that he's like, oh, and shields, and people displayed their tokens of, oh yeah, many houses and kindreds that vied with one another. So with the making of weapons, I guess they sort of made family rivalries. Mm. Or maybe the family rivalries were before that, but like that was never mentioned up until this very moment. Right. But um, yeah, Feanor afterwards made his own forge. Like Mm -hmm. Melkor was like, hey, everybody have you heard of weapons and Feanor's like actually i gotta go do something in the back real quick (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, don't yeah don't ask me don't ask me what's going on um so finway is bummed about all this and he calls all his lords to Tyrion for counsel um and Feanor shows up as fingolfin is like speaking and immediately draws the wrong conclusion is like, well, this guy's trying to fuck me out of being yeah. like the next in line for King. Uh, he goes and, and talks so, to his dad specifically. He's like, yo dad, your other son's being a prick. Why is he doing this? Can you fucking stop him, dude? And I like that. It, I like that it makes the whole thing plays on his vanity too. Cause he comes marching in and it mentions like the red plume in oh, yeah. his armor. He's like, it's like, and I'm picturing him walking in with like a feather bobbing back and forth. Yeah, like he's all, how can he's you all take this motherfucker seriously. Clad Although, in armor. I, yeah. There haven't been any battles, so I'm sure it's super shiny. It's like, he's basically wearing Chrome <laughs> <laughs> and he walks in and people are probably like, like just found out what weapons are and are like, what's, that's weapons, fucking man. sick. Yo, he's got all of them already? <laughs> like, you start playing, uh, well, I, I've never played World of Warcraft, but I imagine you, like, go and play World of Warcraft, and you start as, like, a level one character, and then you see somebody who has, like, a tiger they ride, and a dragon that just hangs out with them, and the biggest swords, and you're like, what the damn, fuck? that guy's fucking good. I just got here. <laughs> so, Fingolfin's talking, um... And uh, and Feanor just runs in and, and pulls a sword on him and is like, nope, um, kind of like threatens him in front of people. And so Fingolfin does the the probably better thing and just kind of like bows and walks out. He's kind of the better son. And I picture it being like, I don't know if you've ever seen you know, like a bar fight in a movie and somebody walks away and the other one goes, mm, he's not getting off that. <laughs> yeah. And so Feanor follows him the fuck outside, pulls, he pulls his sword on him, puts it right to his chest. And is like, you motherfucker, don't pull this shit. Like, get out of here. Um, and <laughs> Which fin- is, Fingolfin's just still silent. He hasn't responded to any of this. It's fun that he says that because he's like, "Hey, uh, my sword is sharper than your tongue." I think that's what it says. Oh yeah, yeah. And oh, he's like, "Don't try and usurp, you dumb fuck." And right. Fingolfin's like, "I didn't." Yeah, what? I was. Bro, I was yeah. already leaving. Why are you telling me to leave? I'm outside already. I have my car keys. He's just like. Damn, Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> so 
uh, Manway is now bummed. And Manway is like, this whole thing's fucking falling apart. Summons everyone to the Ring of Doom. Uh, starts questioning Feanor. And it comes out, Melkor is behind the whole thing. Like, fucking surprise, surprise. Yeah, that Feanor, guy, well, that being guy who very, you just refused to fucking kill is, is the problem here. Well, Feanor is very good at making things. And uh, he's the greatest craftsman in all the land. He's kind of an idiot. Like he says, Manway shows up or he calls everybody up and he goes, so what the hell is happening? And Fanor goes, well, Melkor said, and Manway's like, stop. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Tolkien leaves. He hears the name Melkor and he's like, I'll be back. (laughs) Uh, And then, um, and then uh, Mando speaks for the second time in this chapter, possibly third time in the whole book and goes, uh, yeah, you shit talked your brother. Then you fucking pulled a sword on him in front of all these people, banishes him from Tyrion for 12 years. And I don't understand why the fuck it was 12 years. Like it's a really long time. Cause yeah, apparently a, an Arda year is, nine earth years somebody uh, so andy uh was on the podcast and said that i don't understand that because two for two reasons one um i thought that i understood that the trees went in 12 hour cycles so right. the so the days were 12 hours long so that means that there were just a million days in a year i mean possibly i All suppose right. I buy it. It's different on, I mean, I suppose Arda would have to, Arda's kind of like a disc, I guess. It's flat earth. So, so, uh, so time means nothing. Fingolfin forgives Feanor and Feanor like pieces. So yeah, Feanor does. um, Somebody says, somebody ends up saying, but at the end of your sentence, if some, if one of your brothers or whoever forgives you, then great. You just come back and everything's fine. And Fingolfin is immediately like, dude, I already forgive you. It's fine. And then Fanor's like, fuck this. This is yeah, dumb. I'm, I'm leaving. Fine. You don't want me here? Fingolfin's like, I just said I want you here. <laughs> so uh, Fanor does what any like scorned older brother would do and just creates his own fucking city yeah. his own like city of jewels i'm gonna make um, my own city with blackjack and hookers <laughs> his sons follow him finway follows him which i, I guess he loves I didn't his under- son so much i don't understand i don't understand um the only thing i could <clears throat> think of is that like Feanor is the only thing that reminds Finway of Muriel. I think that's it because uh, Finway's now wife looks like her, right? And he's still probably pretty bummed about that, understandably yeah. so. Um, but yeah, it says in that chapter like he just poured all of his like remaining love into loving his son Feanor. I mean, if you have to love someone, Feanor seems like actually the worst pop- possible option. Literally anyone else would have been. Um, they would have loved you back probably a little. So he's got lots of jewels. 
He's got the Silmarils locked away because he doesn't trust anybody. Um, Melkor like kind of wins here because he like in the, in the short term, I was like, Oh, he temporarily ruins like the relationship between like the sons of Finway. And then the more that I thought about it, the more I was like, cause at the end of the next chapter, something happens where it's like, Oh shit. Like this is never going to be repaired. And like, even though he apologizes, like there's still, um, and we'll get to it, but I like, I just felt like Melkor Melkor wins so hard in this chapter. Yeah. by just like somehow ruining, ruining the elves early on, or at yeah. least the elves that, that, that went to Amon. Um, I guess, you know, if, if Manway and Mandos had sentenced differently, Melkor wouldn't have won so hard. Like, right. they know that it's all his fault. They're like, look, these are our new, these are our new beings. They're called elves. They're, they've been here for six days. And Melkor is like, I got them to hit each other. <laughs> you don't blame the babies. Right. You blame the adult. You blame the said, parents. Right. I got them to hit each other. It's it's insane. Yeah. He he takes a, it's a big win for for old Melky. And then I'm what not does he call do? Him that anymore, I'm sorry. He turns into Melky. a thundercloud. Yeah, and he but he shows up at uh Formenos. Yeah. Shows up at the gates. Feanor meets him out there, tells Feanor that he can help him leave Amon. Um, and like Feanor's kind of going along with what he's saying. And then Melkor fucks up by mentioning the one thing that he wants more than anything. And Feanor pulls like a, wait a minute. It's pretty, it's pretty good. What he says, um, Melkor shows up. He like has been running away from Tolkis for mm-hmm. probably years, just like as a cloud. And Tolkis can't find him because he's a cloud. And he shows up to his fort and he goes, Behold the truth of all that I have spoken and how thou art banished unjustly. But if the heart of Feanor is yet free and bold as were his words in Tyrion, then I will aid him and bring him far from this narrow land. For I am not Vala also. For I, for am I not Vala also? Yea, and more than those who sit in pride in Valimar and I have ever been a friend of the Noldor, most skilled and most valiant of the people of Arda. So he's like, look, everything I said is true, right? You're banished. Your brother's king. Everything kind of sucks, but I'll help you out still. We could get out of here, you and me. Um, and like, yeah, Fanor's like, oh, all right, well, I mean, I don't know about all that. And Melkor sees that and he, He's like, all right, listen, the Valor still want your Silmarils. And he says, here's a strong place and well guarded, but think not that the Silmarils will lie safe in any treasury within the realm of the Valar. Right. And this is his trigger. Feanor says, excuse, uh, fucking yeah. excuse me. You're too <laughs> excited to mention this. Um, sees right through it, gives him. Uh, his, his anger overcomes his fear. He looks at Melkor and he goes, you fucking jail crow of Mandos. <laughs> like it's like, Oh man, I have been a so, fly on the wall of that conversation. The way it's described kind of makes it seem like Fanor has internally exploded. Like 
he get the fire in him is awoken like it has never before and he uses that fire to see right through Melkor and he knows what he wants and then I think on the outside he's just like the jail crow of Mandos and then he just closes the door <laughs> but like why I mean not that I not that I wanted it to happen but like this is you know the big question here is if Melkor is the most powerful of all the, the Valar or most, or he's not the Valar. So he's the most powerful of all the Ainur. Why doesn't he just flatten them and fucking take them? You know, um, he is the most powerful, right? But Mm -hmm. the eight next most powerful are right there all the time. That's true. That's true. (laughs) I guess like, yeah, if you if you, uh, you you can't just escape with the elves chasing you, you got yeah, and also like they can't die. So right. I imagine even if he flattened the other Valar, they would just be like, "Dude, all we had to do was take a nap, and we're back, and now we're <laughs> gonna kick the shit out of you." Um, and that sounds Orame, exhausting. Orme and Tolkis go after Melkor, can't catch up to him. Um, it, it's at this point that <clears throat> Finway sends a message to Manway and is like, yeah, you wouldn't believe the shit I just seen. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then Melkor leaves Valinor, um, and everybody is immediately worrying about when he's going to return. Uh, he does a fun chapter little, seven does a little fun switcheroo where Tolkis and Orome are like, he went to his old fortress probably. And he just goes the other way. He just goes south instead. Of course. And they didn't see him because he's a cloud. I'm telling anyway. you, Melkor's tricky. So, uh, end chapter seven. We've done it. That was a good one. I felt good about that. I felt good about, uh, there's a lot of things that if I think weren't directly followed up by the next chapter, I wouldn't have necessarily gotten. But Drew, what are you drinking? Ooh, uh, I have here a couple of bevies. I've got um, what's left of a bullet bourbon and cherry seltzer combo. Wow. It's pretty tasty. My neighbor made me some Boulevardiers the other night. What is that? Uh, It's a bourbon-based cocktail. It's essentially a Negroni, but Mm -hmm. sub the gin for bourbon. Oh, okay. So it's bourbon, Campari and vermouth. And it is so, it's my favorite. It's such a good cocktail. And my neighbor, who's like not a cocktail guy, like executed it flawlessly. And he's like, how is it? I'm like, it's good. You just followed the recipe, right? Is is 31 the appropriate age to get into cocktails? Oh, have you not, have you not gotten into cocktails? No, not yet. But as like, as, We've been locked in our homes for coming up on a year now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've started to. I'll be mm. 32 in like three weeks. So maybe 32 is the year that I decide. I'm a cocktailist there, um, guy. Do you know um, <clears throat> Do you know Brian Yancey? Uh, maybe. He's like a Philly guy. He works at... He oh, used to, then yes, I, I, I know him. I think he used to work at Tiny Bottle Shop, maybe. Oh, that place is great. Um, but it's cool. His, uh, his Instagram handle is at how to be punk. Um, 
And he started a really great, this is, this will be my other people's content of the week. He started a really great series of making cocktails just like, just like everybody else. But for some reason, his way of doing it is so much more approachable. I don't know. I love the guy. I've always, I've always been like semi obsessed with Brian Yancey. He's, he's uh he's what I aspire to be, even though I think he's like 10 years younger than me. Well, just, I don't know. Be cooler. I'll try, try try harder. Um, I'm also drinking a Coors banquet. Oh man. What are you drinking? King of beers. Um, truly dude, as far as taste goes, it's, it's the best shitty beer. I am drinking, I think I drank it previously on the pod, but um, it's a bottle of uh, Greek red wine. Okay, that's nice. It's a, a dry red wine, a Limnio. Found it in my, my local wine store's uh, natural and biodynamic section. I'm sure the last time I talked about it, I said it in exactly that smarmy of a tone. <laughs> um, and that is another episode of They Come in Pints. So, chapter eight. On the darkening of Valinor, more specifically, on the reason Drew is here. I can see his boner already. Dude, truly, I'm here for exactly one reason, and it's to talk about this. So <laughs> I took I took significantly less notes because I knew that you were just had a hard on for this. Um, I also for those for those non-American, uh, hard on is a <laughs> synonym for an erection. I uh, I also took fewer notes because. Um, if I were to have taken more, it would have just been the whole chapter. Not like right. it's a lot. It's like four pages. Yeah, it's but like four pages. I would have just rewritten the four pages because it's all so good. Um, this is the beginning of the end. And right. I... Well, I guess it's the beginning of one of the ends, as there are many. There's got to be many. Um, um, okay, so here we are. Uh, Orame and Tolkis chase Melkor north. But Melkor goes north and then goes south. He goes south to the darkest region of Amon called Avatar. Yeah. Um, on the east of the Pelori Mountains, just way in the south, uh, Avatar remains lightless and unexplored. They talk about, um, you know, the lightless sea and, oh, man. I just get this great picture of like the moon, but somehow with water on it. Um, yeah, they talk about this. It's south of the Pelori mountains. And from what I, what I, so it's literally south of heaven. <laughs> Very nice. How appropriate for this extremely metal chapter. Chug, chug. Um, so, uh, there beneath the sheer walls of the mountains and the cold, dark sea, the shadows were deepest and thickest in the world. And there in Avatar, secret and unknown, Ungoliant made her abode. Man. Now, um, Ungoliant so was- is at least four black metal bands. I've chosen <laughs> right. the name Ungoliant. Um, so she was a dark spirit previously corrupted by Melkor, if I understand this correctly. That's what they're, they say. Nobody knows where they came from, but really what came before that? They're just like, man, this is some dark shit. Where did that come from? Meanwhile, Melkor's in the background just like sipping coffee. He's like, somebody sent my name? Yeah, he's like, I did that. Um, So she crept towards the light of the blessed realm, for she hungered the light and hated it. 
there's a lot, which is so like Melkor, who wants things because he hates them. She um, <clears throat> chose the form of a gigantic spider, which is the dopest shit that one can choose to be. Yeah, she ate light and spun it into dark webs. Yeah, and she spun these dark webs in Avatar, and they surrounded her, and they came off the cliff sides until no light could enter. So it's just shadows. And I, I think you could take this entire chapter and scream it and set it to thrash, and it would totally work. Um, yeah, I think they have. I think that's. I think this chapter is how black metal started. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you know this? What was the first like black metal band? Venom. Like, what was the I origin guess. of that? Venom was, I guess, the origin of the origin. And then I guess is probably King Diamond. King then, Diamond is black metal? No, nah, but he wore corpse paint and he screamed about Satan and stuff. So that kind of did it. I've Mayhem. never actually listened to it, but I know what he looks like. And I assumed it was like <clears throat> clown metal. What's the difference? <laughs> hey man, you said it, not me. Um, so it's probably mayhem. Mayhem. Melkor finds Ungoliant, um, and when he sees her, he takes his previous form as the tyrant of Otumno, the Dark Lord, a form that he would remain in from this time forward. Um, Dude, he should have stayed as a cloud. This is stupid. Should have. Should have just uh, been a cloud. Melkor and Ungoliant like plotted revenge uh but she was like afraid of the valar obviously she's yeah they're spider. scary so uh melkor convinces her by saying do as i bid and if thou hunger still when all is done then i will give thee whatsoever thy lust may demand yea with both hands which is such a fucking promise. And I, and anybody who would promise me anything in that way, I'd be like, yeah, you're fucking with me. There's no, you can't do that. Yeah. At that point, Ungoliant's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. We can do that. But he like immediately laughs and is like, that eh, was easy. Yeah. He like um, hit the, he hit the office depot easy button. <laughs> um, I like, how the plan starts because Ungolian just like hops right to it, starts weaving a cloak of darkness about mm. her and, um, the, the unlight. Yes. In which things seem to be no more in which eyes could not pierce for it was void is void. so sick. So then she just like climbs up the mountains. She's like, all right, well, here we go. Pitter patter. Let's get at her. So Melkor gets to the top. It says like he hops or he well, like she she goes all something. the way to the top. She goes all the way to the top. She climbs slowly and then just makes a ladder for him out of unlight. Right. So he gets so to the top. Just she like climbs all the way to the top as a giant spider would and she just goes Here you go. It's easy. I made you a ladder. He gets to the top. Melkor sees the trees and laughs aloud. Yeah. Um, and this whole time, 
the Valar aren't paying attention. Why is that, you ask? Because the Valar are having a little fall festival of their own. Um, they, they decided, somebody said, hey, um, Melkor got away. He's, uh, he's known to be pretty treacherous. Maybe we should go after him. And Manway goes, ooh, actually, it's party time. Yeah, remember, like, the last time we decided to have a party when Tolkas got married, and then what happens next? Um, it's not, it's, it's the best party ever. It's the biggest feast around, and it's specifically for Eru, Iluvatar. Right, but, so M- Manway brings all the Valar, all the Maiar, the Vanyar, and the Noldor together, did not bring the Tellery because the Tellery are too busy singing. They're just busy doing something else. And they well, don't care. No. They, I think the first time they probably picked up on Melkor's vibe where he was mm. like, I'm not worried about the Tellery. Those guys are mm. lame. And they're like, they picked up they're like, he's not really talking to us that much. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think that he thinks we're lame? And they all decided collectively, you know, we don't give a shit. We're going to do our own thing forever. So the cities of Valmar and Tyrion are quiet. Uh, Manway specifically invites Feanor, and Feanor goes. However, Finway and and all of Feanor's sons um, and everybody else who lives in Formanos don't go. Um, Finway kind of laments that he feels like he's been unkinged and doesn't want to go see his people. Um, it's it's a cool thing to do. Finway seems like a really rad guy because he like went in solidarity with his son mm-hmm. and he says, while the ban lasts upon Feanor, my son, that he may not go to Tyrion, I hold myself unkinged and I will not meet my people. So he goes, my son is, he's in kind of a bad way. And I'm going to go with them, but because I'm not really there, I can't just be king. So I'll just let, I'll let Fingolfin do his thing for a while, and I'll just hang here. He seems like a nice guy. <clears throat> so we're, we're reminded again that Fingolfin is king. Yeah. And that, I mean, I, I don't understand how all of, I mean, literally everybody, how all the how all the Valar and all the Noldor aren't looking at this and are like, wasn't this, wasn't this Melkor's plan? Wasn't this, I mean, I don't know. They're very, seems, they're it all just very, seems very, like very it's good. Too, like it's too wrapped up in a little bow for them, for everybody not to be like, Oh wait, this is weird. They're all um, super good at making things like objects and right. bad at thinking. Um, Fingolfin is there. He publicly forgives Feanor and says, half brother in blood, full brother in heart will I be. Thou shalt lead and I will follow. May no new grief divide us. Feanor is cool with this. And then something bad's going to happen. Feanor says in the most, um, the most slighted brother response. So be it. He's just like, all right, fine. And they shake hands. <laughs> but it's also like, I don't know. Like, Fingolfin's being like the better person here. And I, and in a way, exposing the vanity of Feanor. 
Yeah. Fingolfin is Fingolfin is a better person. But no one no one outside is looking. And this is what bothers me about the Valar. Is that the Valar can only do one thing. Like the Valar can only do that thing that they do. Like Ulmo can only do water. Like Yeah. Nope. Yeah, Tolkis can only hate Melkor. <laughs> right. Orame can only also hate Melkor and hunt. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. Varda can only do all the cool stuff with stars. It's it nobody is looking at this and with any amount of skepticism. Like I feel like I look at everything with skepticism. And yet well, the Valar are like it's probably fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, there haven't been lies before really except right. for Melkor's just Melkor's it's just Melkor's so this is where it gets fucking crazy so while all of this is going on Melkor and Ungoliant get up to the trees and Melkor drives a spear deep into each tree and Goliant starts drinking the sap the poison of death within her kills the trees. She drinks all the tanks of dew. It mentions she burps. She belches, which is yeah, belches, belches a, forth black vapors as she drank. And she swells to a shape so vast and hideous that Melkor was afraid. First, I think it's great that this party is so huge and so contained that there is no one around to see this tremendous black unlight shadow just run across the fields of Valinor. Nobody is not at the party going like, Hey, what's that thing? Right. They just, also, everyone is, everyone is there. So this whole thing couldn't have been instant. So that light has to be dying while everybody is just like, celebrate good yeah, times. Yeah. Come on. So, the the whole thing is suspect to me, kind of. Do you um, think that um, the light of the trees seems like almost tangible? Right. Like it's like a liquid form or like a gas. Mm-hmm. Like it is. It comes off from the trees, and it's probably around. But then at some point, it's not giving off this light anymore because the light is like right. so powerful that. Um, two trees light all of Arda. Well, you know, all of, all of Amar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Varda's the first to see that like something's fucking going on. Um, but she can't really see what's going on. She looks, she, I, if I'm, if I'm not, if I'm understanding this correctly, she, she notices the stars, which means that, the lights have gone out. Yeah. Um, cause that's the only time I see the stars. Uh, Manway looks and he sees, <laughs> it says he sees the darkness beyond dark. And I picture it looks like, like the, the cloud behind pig pen, just like <laughs> hauling ass out of Arda. I love the way that the darkness is described. It says, Yet no song or tale. So the the trees are not putting out light anymore. It's gone. Right. Yep. But the darkness is so much darker than just like somebody flipping a switch. It says, 
Yet no song or tale could contain all the grief and terror that then befell. The light failed, but the darkness that followed was more than loss of light. In that hour was made a darkness that seemed not lack, but a thing with being of its own, which is a fun way to say, like, this is beyond just not light. This is a tangible, I can, I can hold this darkness, maybe. It's so great. It's such a great way to just describe the ultimate light switch. But it begs the question once again, um, the lights out. Nobody's nobody's in Amon except for Finway and all the sons of uh, all the sons of Feanor. Yeah, and like I guess there's some people. It says there's some elves still in Tyrion because um, not everybody was. I don't know why everybody wasn't invited, but but it makes me think immediately. Like, why don't the two of them just take a little pit stop? over at uh formanos and get those fucking silver hills what are you doing why are you wasting time this does seem like a really good time to do that doesn't it i don't know but so they're heading north at great speed um and uh and manway knows that melkor had come and gone yeah um orame and tulkas immediately run to try to catch melkor uh that doesn't work um, and Tulkus, as one caught in the black net at night, and he stood powerless and beat the air in vain. <laughs> Can you imagine? No, I like cannot. chasing after somebody. Your your worst enemy is roaming around, and you see them, and you've got your hot on their heels, and then the lights turn off, and you can't see them, and you're so mad about it that you just punch the darkness. It's and uh, and Orame <laughs> is on Nahar. And they're just spinning around in circles, can't find anything. Just don't know what to do. And the best line, maybe, maybe in the book so far, Malcor had gone with her, and would his vengeance? Wait, Malcor had gone with her. He would, and his vengeance was achieved. I think. End of chapter eight is that's a really it's a really really good chapter. Um, it's it really leaves, for me, it leaves so many holes with like how, how those trees were the only things lighting middle earth Yeah. besides the stars, of course. Yes. But how the fuck do you not protect them? Like well, how partying. the fuck do you just let them hang out? They were having a party. Yeah. But like, Nothing you're telling me like even I mean, I guess anything that would have been there would have gotten killed or like if there would have been enough going on, like would Melkor like was was that Melkor's original original goal? Because it seems kind of like Melkor didn't know what he was going to do. And then he got to the top of the mountain and he saw the trees and he was like, oh, fuck you guys. Um, like, was that his original plan? I think it was. I think he wasn't just going to bring in Goliant, who he knows devours light. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't just going to, like, show up to the party. I don't think right. he knew there was a party. I yeah, think he was like, not. I'm going to get to the top of this mountain. And then once I get there, I'm going to figure out how to drain those trees. Um, He just hates everything 
that everybody else made. He doesn't want any of it to be there. So, like, what do they love the most? The trees. They love the trees the most. And, well, now the Silmarils. But Silmarils came from trying to preserve the light of the trees. So, it's pretty, I think it's a pretty good vengeance. Like, what do you, what do you love most? I'm going to break that thing. I hate you. (laughs) But the best way to get to you is to break your stuff. So, backing up to the beginning like, do you think that Feanor had an actual vision of this happening? Or do you think it was just, well, if something happens to those trees, we're fucked, so I may as well be proactive about it? I imagine he had some sort of premonition about it. It seems it seems pretty silly to just assume, like, eh, something might happen to those trees. I better do something about that. You know, just like anything else, the more information I get, the less I really understand what's going on. (laughs) Like, I understand what's going on, but, like, the more information I get, the more I'm like, what the fuck is going to happen next? Like, what the... I know know what some of the chapter names are, so I know, like, I know there's shit coming up, but, man, I don't... Yeah, just wait until you get to the chapters that aren't two pages long. Mm, the next one, actually. Yeah, I think it's it's a little longer. Yeah, the next one's the next one's pretty long. I want to say the next one's like ten pages. Kinda I mean, like, not that that's long. You know what I mean, though. As far as the Silmarillion is concerned, it is. But um, right, that's a that's a that's a veritable tome, if you will. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot of chapters that sort of read like just a glossary like this mm-hmm. is this person this is this person they live in this place this is the per- this person they live in that place and then they sort of like pepper in stories and this is sort of the beginning of the stories i mean i guess the last one was also kind of that but now the the timeline in which the chapters are taking place is a little shorter right so we're we're sort of starting to read a storybook, kind of, mm-hmm. instead of just a glossary, and an appendix, appendices, if you will. Yeah, the appendices of Middle Earth. Um, well, Drew, thanks for coming back. Yeah, thanks um, for having me. Why don't you tell everybody where to find you? Um, social meds. It's just Drumanji. Drumanji everything. Where awesome. Yeah. If you want to get a hold of us, it's uh deadbroitspod at gmail.com also deadbroitspod on twitter and instagram you guys i say so much stupid shit somebody's got to call me out eventually and i'm saying i'm saying it's you whoever's hearing this um as always i'm andrew and uh we'll see you next week